All the free people, make some noise in here if you're no longer a slave. Oh, come on, all the way in the back, all the free people. Who the sun set free is free indeed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. No longer slaves made free by his hand. Amen. You may be seated. We thank God for our worship team leading us so effectively before the throne of grace. Well, as we dive into the Word of God today, I, um, I've got to put a disclaimer. While this passage is, um, is very near and dear to my heart, uh, this is a life message for me. Um, some of you might have even heard me teach this before, but as you've figured out, I could never teach the same thing the same way twice because um, half of it, I'm just kind of making it up. Um, but I, but I, but I am. I, I, I do feel like I am. Um, I am taking a risk uh, this morning. I'm, I'm taking a risk um, because um, the passage is so familiar where I'm going to take you today that I run the risk of um, you checking out prematurely because you say I've heard this before. But my prayer with this passage is that God would give us fresh ears and fresh eyes to hear and see and experience this passage again as though it were the first time. As though it were the first time. Having said that, if you have your Bibles, would you meet me in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. John, chapter 3, verse 16. If you're anything like me, being a little boy, um, it's one of the first passages I committed to memory. Uh, my little holiness church there in Mississippi, we, uh, we use the King James Version, who I affectionately call King Jimmy. Uh, so as we open up God's Word, uh, I'll speak uh, in the King James translation. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'll say it again. For God so loved the world that he gave Gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being our kinsman redeemer. Thank you for the blanket of grace that covered over us. Now, once again, we've gathered here together to feast on your word. Father, would you tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly? 
God, would you turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us? God, it's to that end now that I ask you, would you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name. Every heart said amen. 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 I, um, I have so thoroughly uh, enjoyed uh, being here, especially the weather here uh, at Mount Hermon has just been just, just awesome. I am, um, you know, a couple of weeks from now, LaRosa and I will celebrate um, our 14th year moving to California. Um, August 15th, we moved to California. We left Mississippi. We both grew up in Mississippi. Two Mississippi kids came out here to Southern California. We left Southern California. We have, I mean, we left Mississippi coming to Southern California. We um, didn't have no kids or nothing when we got here, y'all. As a matter of fact, uh, La Rosa got pregnant her first two weeks in California. Uh, we didn't have no cable or internet hooked up at the house, and that's just kind of what happened. Um, <laughs> Which to that, we made a rule. We ain't going into no new house unless the cable and internet is on first, Jack. It needs to be on. Uh, four kids later, we figured out that's what the problem was. Um, so now here we are moving to Southern California. We got a new city, new job, um, new baby, new community, new church. Everything is new and everything's just a little stressful. So... Uh, we, we've got a birthday and anniversary coming up for my wife, and I, um, I, I, I talked to my new California friends, and I said, yo, it's a big birthday, big anniversary. I need to, I need to hook my wife up. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, hook my wife up. Uh, bless an abundance above and beyond the normal giving and intentionality of the gift. Um, I need to hook her up. Uh, I need to hook her up. So I asked my California friends, what do you do? When you want to, you know, take it to the next level, you want to hook your wife up. They said, oh, Albert, that's a no-brainer. You need to take your wife to Tiffany's. I said, who is Tiffany? They said, oh, trust me, Albert, you go to Tiffany's, I'm telling you. It's going to be, the, it's gonna be a, a win. So I, I was like, cool. So I walk up in Tiffany's. I see the prices. I walk out, I said, is there a Tamika or a Tanya I can go see? Because I can't fool with Tiffany. I don't know, I can't, is there a Tajanae or a, a TT or somebody I can go see? I can't touch Tiffany. Uh, can't fool with this. They said, Albert, Albert, listen, I'm telling you, when your wife gets a blue box from Tiffany, she's going to lose her mind. I said, oh, why you didn't say that to begin with? Hey, Tiffany, give me one of them blue boxes back there so I can go to Walmart and put some in it. Come on, give me one of them blue boxes. They said, Albert, you can't do that. You can't do that. So... I was like, okay, okay. So I'm walking around in Tiffany's. I don't know if y'all ever, you ever, you ever been in a store you ain't got no business being in? I mean, you just cannot. My ATM card was yelling at me from my pocket. Saying, I don't know what we doing up in here. You pull me out in here, they subject to cut me up. I may not make it home. So I'm looking around, y'all. I just ain't got no business being there. And I look. I, 
I got comfortable. I, I, I let my guard down. I was, yeah, I, I, I would, actually. I would. She has to have a $14,000. Everything Mississippi in me wanted to say, woman, have you lost your mind? <laughs> but I, but, I, but I, I kept my cool. I played up. I was like, maybe, maybe a different color. Let me keep looking. <laughs> and I'm looking. And y'all know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the sale rack, you know, the, the clearance section, you know, the, the floor model where I can get half off because somebody brought it back. You know what I mean? I'm looking... So finally, y'all, I find, I, I find it, it's a little bracelet with a, with a little heart on it, a little trinket on it. And um, I did it. I, I got it. I, I went on. I did it. I made the purchase. I did it. 18 more payments, and that thing's going to be ours, Jack. We're going to own that thing. It's, Telling my wife the other day, baby, it took us 14 years to get here, but we almost there. We almost, we all 2022. We gonna have this thing. This is gonna be, we gonna own it. Um, they they take it and they box it up and they put it in the um, in the blue box. And, and and let me just be honest with you. I what I do next, you should not do. I I I, I, I should not have do this. I shouldn't do this. But I I get that box and I get ready to give it to my wife. And I'm not gonna lie. I um, when I give her this gift, I want a response. You shouldn't give gifts to get a response. You really shouldn't. But I, uh, doggone it, uh, and I don't want no regular response either. I, I want some tears. And listen, listen, listen. Not this is a little, little regular cry. No, no, no. I want the ugly cry. You know the, the snot bubble come out. You know what I mean? I want that. That asthmatic, <laughs> well, you got to go get your inhaler pump. I'm trying to take your breath away, girl. I need a response, Jack. You know what I mean? So I get ready to give it to her, and I, I, I give it a box. Parenthetically, brothers, let me just tell you. Let me, let me just tell you right now. If you want to take it to the next level with your wife, go see my girl, Tiffany. I'm telling you, she... I just gave her the box. I just gave her the box and immediately, just looking at the box, <laughs> tears start streaming down her face. And I got excited. I was like, oh, baby, listen, listen, open the box. There's something actually in the box. It's not like last Christmas. There's something in the box. Open the box. Yo, she opened up that box. She pulled out that Tiffany's bracelet. Let me just say, I, kids in here, I don't, don't want to be inappropriate. Let me, um, let me just say it like this. Um, that night in our home, the, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. <laughs> the priest could not stand to minister. Um, okay, okay. Lady in the back just leaned over to her husband and said, I don't get it. <laughs> he turned back to her and said, I know you don't. I know. I, I, I know you. I don't, I don't get it either. <laughs> that was a little inappropriate. Um, 
I guess I say that to say this. Um, I learned something uh, that was a lesson that has shaped me, that I've carried with me my whole life. Uh, from that lesson, from that moment, I learned something, and it is this. Every great gift demands a great response. Every great gift demands a great response. For God so loved the world that he gave. He, he gave his only son. He gave the greatest gift that could ever be given. He gave the gift that brings from death to life, from despair to hope. He gave us the greatest gift that could ever be given. And the question that I've come to put on the table this morning is what is your response? What is your response? For God so loved the world that he gave, he, he, he gave his, his only begotten son. He gave his son uh, so that we might live. He gave his son so that we might walk in the freedom that we were created to have. He gave his son so that we might not walk in the bondage of sin. He gave his son so that we can have life. He loved us so much that he gave his son so that we could be free. It, it, it's kind of like this. I, uh, I had a friend who was, was at home. He tells a story of he's at home and he's watching a game and he's, he just watching the game, just having a good time watching the game. And his son, his son is playing outside in the yard um, in the monkey bars. Um, and, and his son, while he's playing in the yard, he gets stuck in the monkey bars. He gets stuck in the monkey bars. So he hears from the backyard, Daddy, Daddy, I'm stuck. Daddy, Daddy, I'm stuck. And like any passionate father, he immediately sits up and says, huh? <laughs> so he, he then proceeds to try to help his son without getting up. Um, he just, so first he tries, to, um, he tries to encourage him out. Um, you can do it. Try, come on, try a little harder. You, you one more time. Try. It, it, it didn't, didn't help. Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. And then, then he tries to instruct him out. Um, um, move to the left. Turn to the right. Now dip, baby, dip. I'm sorry, it's the wrong. I'm sorry. Hold on, I'm sorry. <laughs> didn't work, didn't work. Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. Daddy, daddy. And then he got mad, and then he tried to condemn him out. What was you doing out there anyway? Didn't I tell you about being out there anyway? What was you doing out there anyway? Condemnation didn't work. Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. So finally, he had to get up off his comfortable seat, go out there to the monkey bars. Yeah, you stuck. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he was so stuck that he had to literally... Climbed down in the monkey bars, grabbed the boy, get him unstuck, and then carry him out so that he could be freed from the monkey bars. Uh, Y'all get it early. I won't have to preach as long. Uh, uh, for God so loved the world that when humanity was stuck in the sin of the monkey bars of this world, uh, he was screaming out. 
that he was screaming to God, Daddy, Daddy, I'm stuck in my flesh. Daddy, Daddy, I'm stuck in self-righteousness. Daddy, Daddy, I'm stuck in sin. And I'm so glad that we had a God that loved us enough that he didn't just try to encourage us out from heaven. Uh, you can do better. Try harder. He didn't, he didn't try to instruct us out. Follow this rule. Follow this law. Or he didn't condemn us out and damn us to eternal uh, condemn, condemnation and judgment. No, 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 no. We had a God who got up off his his seat in glory, put on flesh, came down, dwelt among us, hung, bled, and died for our sins, got up with all power so he can reach in the sinful monkey bars of this world and snatch us out and bring us to a place of redemption, forgiveness, and grace where we were always created to be. Oh, if you've been redeemed in here, you ought to praise God and thank him for coming to see about his children so that we don't have to live stuck in the monkey bars of sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his son to come so that we don't have to live stuck. We don't have to live in the sins of this world. He loved us so much that he sent his son to set us free from the entanglement of sin. He loved us that much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe, belief, 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 belief. Belief is more than just the assent of the mind. It's more than you coming to some cognitive conclusions concerning theological doctrine and deciding on what you believe. It's more, than the, it's more than the ascent of the mind. It's more than what you do and what you conclude with your thoughts. Belief, uh, and at the same time, it, it's more than just the, um, the consent of the will. Um, you, you changing behavior. You, I'm, I'm going to do some things differently now. I'm going I'm to make a better choice. It's more than you consenting your will and making better choices. It's more than the ascent of the mind. It's more than the consent of the will and you making better choices. Belief culminates in what I like to call the reclining of the heart. Ah, it, it, belief is the, the, the ultimate and culmination of belief is when your thoughts and when your will ultimately culminates in the resting and the reclining of your heart. See, gospel ain't about what you do. It's about what Christ has already done and your ability to rest in what he's done. So it's when your heart can <sighs> recline in him. When your heart can just trust in him. It, it's kind of like this. My, um, my granddaddy was a pastor for over 40 years. Uh, he was a short man, but he loved big cars. I, I don't know what that was about, but his car was the Cadillac. Um, not these little cute Cadillacs you can put in your pocket. No, 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 no. He drove a Cadillac back in the day when it was a Cadillac. You know, my, my granddaddy's Cadillac started at that back door back there and came all the way back to this wall back here. I'm talking about when it was a Cadillac. I'm talking about you couldn't drive it. I'm talking about the Cadillac. You couldn't drive it like this. You had to drive it like this. You know what I'm talking about? Cadillac that didn't have seating. You know how, how uh, these cars now they have uh, six passengers, seven passenger. Cadillac, it didn't have no described number. The number was just left blank. And you can just put in however many kids you got, how many folks you got going. Well, that's what the size passenger it is. It just had a big old couch on the back. So you just let kids get in until, and then you just close the door and smash them in. And you still had room for a cooler for long drives where you can wrap, take chicken, wrap it up in paper towel and keep it in pound cake in, in, in cornbread. Oh, I would 
wish I had a witness up in here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a Cadillac where, child, you didn't need a baby seat. You just put the baby in the back window. Just flip him over every 15 minutes, make sure he ain't burn up. Talking about a Cadillac. He had a Cadillac. So I never forget, we making a drive, and he would pride himself on being able to go long distances. I can go from Mississippi to Detroit, ain't even got to stop and get gas. Holy Spirit, take us all the way. He, I mean, he was a proud man. So I'll, I'll never forget when we're driving, and um, my name is Albert. I'm a junior. Um, so my family called me Junior, but he never did get the extra energy for the second syllable, so he just called me June. He said, um, he said June... I'm going to come sit back there, and I'm going to let you drive, and I'm going to shit my eyes. So I'm 16, 17 years old, blown away. My, my granddad's about to let me drive the Cadillac, so it gives me the keys. I get in the front seat. He gets in the back seat. Grandmother's sitting over here. My cousin's sitting in the back. And y'all, here I am, 16 years old. I'm, I'm driving, y'all. Watch me whip. Watch me nay-nay, watch me whip, whip, watch me nay-nay, watch me do it. No, okay, I'm sorry, I had a flashback. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm driving, and about, you know, 30, 35 seconds of June, um, speed this thing up, son. We want to get there before sunrise. Okay, okay, granddaddy, so I'm driving, I speed up, another 30 40 seconds. Um, June, boy, slow this thing down now, son. You ain't running no race. Okay, granddaddy, so I, I slow it down. Another 40 seconds. June, by this time, I can hear my grandmother over here in the passenger seat getting irritated in her sanctified soul. She, um, she throws her arms back, looks back at my granddaddy and says, Oh, I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes. See, the problem was, in his mind, he wanted me to drive. In his will, he gave me the keys. He wanted me to drive. But in his heart, he was still driving. Sometimes I wonder if God peers over the balcony of heaven and looks at you and I and says, uh, I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes and trust me. I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes and trust me with the marriage. I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes and trust me with the kids. I, I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes and trust me with the finances and the job and the complexity and the unknowns. Remember that? I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes and trust me with your relationships. Remember when you were single and you had that, that last bad breakup last year and it was New Year's Eve. Remember you was crying in your room saying, Jesus, 2019 is going to be our year. It's going to be me and you and it's not going to be no other relationships. And I ain't heard from you since that night. And then all of a sudden you called me last week saying, Jesus, help me with Oscar. And I'm like, who is Oscar? I never heard of Oscar. I don't know Oscar. I thought you was going to shut your eyes and trust him. See, the problem is, you gave him the keys, but in your heart, you're still trying to drive. Our problem is, we are um, we're backseat drivers. Backseat drivers. I know this well because my wife 
has the gift of backseat driving. She, she does. She has a gift. Um, I don't want to call it a spiritual gift because I'm not sure what spirit, but she... She, she has a gift. She, it's, it's her thing. She, she has a, uh, she, she backseat drives, and it is, she will get a uttering, and she has a, a, the, the divine ability to give clear articulation of how it is that the vehicle should be navigated, but from the unique perspective of the passenger seat. She has, a, she has the gift. Well, at least, you know, that's how, that's how my therapist has encouraged me to talk about it. He's, she says, just, Albert, you need new language to describe what it is that is happening. So I, I'm attempting to use this new language. And, and, and if I'm to be honest, I have struggled um, with appreciating her gift. I... I I, I, I have been victim to, um, I'm guilty of having a lack of gratitude and appreciation for, for this gift and this perspective that she brings. I mean, just the other day, I fell miserably. I fell miserably. I, we were in the car. And you ever, you ever have a thought, and it makes its way out of your mouth, but once you see it come out of your mouth, you can see it, and you think to yourself, this ain't going to land well. <laughs> we're in the car the other day. We're just in the car the other day. And, 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 I, and I messed up. I messed up. I'm not perfect, y'all. I messed up miserably. I can't believe I did it, but I did it. I'm working on myself. She, she gets one of her um, prophetic divine utterings. Um, and because and, 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 we're, we're driving in the car. You, you see, see how I even use the pronoun, we driving? I was really driving, but I've been trained to say we're driving. Because it is obviously a collaborative effort now, and at least in our marriage, it is. We, we do it together, obviously, and I'm learning to adjust to that reality. And from the looks of some of your faces, you have had to adjust to that reality as well, I can tell. Um, true story. We're in the car, y'all, and it just happened. And I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. She, she just said, she said, I couldn't catch it. It came out before I could even catch it. She said, she said, Ain't that the turning lane? I said, ain't that the passenger seat? The words came out of my mouth. I was like, no. Don't feel bad for her, though. When we got home, she was like, ain't that the couch? I was like, touche, my dear, touche. Just throw me a pillow and a blanket. I'll be all right. I was like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is your God is not some 16-year-old navigating puberty. He is the God of all creation. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the creator of all things. You can trust him. He is worthy of your trust. You don't need to backseat drive the creator of all things. You need to shut your eyes and trust him. says if you believe, if you recline, if you rest in him. Let me tell you something. Resting, you, we, we walk around talking about something. We trust in God. Let me just tell you, if you're trusting God, but you ain't resting in God, then you ain't trusting God. Because if you ain't resting, then you ain't trusting. This chair, this stool right here, right now at this very moment, is holding all 200 pounds that I bring to the table. I, it's holding all. It ain't holding a piece of me. It ain't holding a part of me. It's holding all of me. God says, are you more quick to give a chair, all of you, than you are to give the king of kings, all of you? 
if you can trust this bench to hold your bottom, as old as Mount Hermon is, and you don't know how many years, how many bottoms, you know what I mean, how much weight this thing is having, you sit down in here, you don't even think about it. You ain't look up under there. You ain't well, one lady did, but she was a germaphobe. She was just trying to wipe stuff off. But other than that, like, you just sat down. Now, if you can trust the bench with your bottom, how much more should you trust your God with your life? That was good. I'm going to say that again. So if you can trust that seat, especially y'all sitting outside, they ain't even weathered. They've been, you don't, you really shouldn't trust them things. You know what I mean? They've been out there for years. But you just sat down with no problem. How is it that you can sit down with no problem in the bench, but you won't sit down with no problem with your God? He says, trust me. I don't want pieces of you. I want all of you. Belief is not you standing in your own power and then leaning on God for backup support. That's not belief. Belief is when your heart (sighs) can fully recline in God knowing that he's got everything in control. (sighs) When you can shut your eyes and trust him. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would shut your eyes and trust him, if you believe in him, if you rest in him, then you will not perish, 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 perish. Uh, Perish, perish is, um, perish is, perish is bigger than dying and going to hell. We, we think perishing is dying and going to hell. It's so, it's so much bigger than that. Perishing is, is the idea of a slow drift, a slow fade away from God's purpose, God's plan, God's promise until you find yourself living outside of the presence and the light and the purpose of God, living in the absence of the presence of his glory in your life. That's perishing. And the worst thing about perishing, first few minutes, first few seconds, you're like, uh, where's he going? Is he going to go behind the curtain? Where's, where's, where, what's happening? But isn't it crazy that just after a few seconds, how quickly your eyes adjust to an empty stage? How quickly you can get used to having a distant voice with an empty stage. Perishing wants you to get used to life outside of the light of God with an empty stage, not walking in the authority of God. That's perishing. Perishing. Satan wants to take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you plan to stay, and make you pay more than you can afford to pay. James says when sin is finished with you, it leaves you for dead. Satan wants to draw you away. And listen, and he's not going to come with with horns and a pitchfork. No, 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 no. He's going to come dressed in your greatest lust. In other words, he's going to wear what you like. For me, for me, I'll just confess. For me, he, he comes as a, um, 
to all beef patty, special sauce and cheese. Uh, when he really wants to tip me, he comes as a young lady with red pigtails and red freckles on her face. Her name is Wendy. As I think about my body being a temple and living holy before God, I pass by her in her eyes. <laughs> I try to explain this to other people and they don't understand, but she, she sees me. <laughs> and she cries out to me. And when she calls, I, I answer. They have... I have something now, it's called the special bag. You can get a double stack <laughs> with bacon and nuggets. No one needs a hamburger and nuggets. <laughs> but she knows it's what I like. <laughs> Satan is going to use my friend Brian Loritz tells this story all the time. I think it's a perfect example. I'm not a sportsman. I don't, I don't know sports. I don't know stuff. Um, and some would argue that this isn't even a sport. But every now and then I get locked on the fishing channel. You ever see the fishing channel? And I'm just not a fishing guy. I don't know nothing about fishing. But, but here, I'm going to break down the fundamentals of fishing. All right? First, you got to go to where the fish are. That's step one. You should write that down. That's step one. Y'all not? Okay. 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 It wasn't obvious to me. Okay. So, and then you got to make a stop and you got to get what they call bait, um, which is you've got to buy what the fish like. Um, so you go where the fish are, you buy what the fish like, and then you take what the fish like, and then you place it, watch this now, on this sharp metal hook. So you take what the fish likes, you put it on this sharp metal hook, and then you drop it where the fish live. Now, meanwhile, the fish are just chilling. Um, I'm sorry, chilling. Uh, relaxed in an intense state as to <laughs> encourage um, rest and relaxation. Um, they, they, they just chilling. And all of a sudden, the fish see what they like. And when they see what they like, then desire begins to stir on the inside of them and their desire for what they see draws them to it. So they go to the bait, what they like, and they get there. And when they get there, desire and sight culminate in consumption and they bite down on the bait. And that's when they realize this ain't what I thought it was. And that's when the fisherman feels the bite has taken place and they yank the fish out of the water. And there it is, dangling, going after a bait that was ultimately a hook that pulled them out of where they were, now held victim to where their captor desires for them to be. That's perishing and that's what sin does to us. He'll take what you like He'll draw you away from the presence and the place where God has you. And when sin is finished with you, 
It says it draws you away by your own lusts. And when desire and sin are fully grown, you consume, and then it pulls you out. Let me tell you something. Satan's greatest hope is to keep you perishing. And the most dangerous thing about perishing is before you know it, you look up and you've moved so far in the darkness, you didn't even see when the lights went out. You didn't even see when the stage got empty. Because it starts slow. It starts slow. It starts off with just a cute girl at the office just being nice to you. And then you bump into her at lunch. And so now you got a connection. And before you know it, you're getting dressed and you're thinking about her. Hoping that this shirt will get the compliment from her. You start looking at her schedule and when she's having lunch, you want to go and have lunch. And before you know it, you're now having conversations. And you're emotionally connecting with one another. See, he gets you slow. He doesn't start off with some, some girl jumping on you, grabbing you. No, 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 no. He starts off with her just kind of winking at you. And then he starts lying to you. He starts lying to you and starts getting you to think, maybe I, maybe I still got it. So now you're thinking you got it, and you're starting to dress and put on cologne, and you bought new underwear, and your wife is like, what are you doing? You haven't bought new underwear in 20 years. What is happening? Like, Nothing, baby. I'm just, you know, I'm still, you know, so you're thinking you still got it because this young girl is there. And let me, can I just tell you, no, you don't still have it. The only reason why this young, attractive, you see how attractive that young lady is? That should be your number one sign of telling you that that's the devil. Under no under circumstances would she even be attracted to you. You should look at her and say, you look that good? Oh, this must be the devil. I know, I know. This is not, the, this is not, because I ain't still got, you don't still have it. As a matter of fact, you hadn't had it for quite some time. It's the devil. I used that same line at my church on a Sunday morning. About two weeks later, a 62-year-old guy came to me with tears in his eyes and said, Albert, we were laughing. But I sat back in the back of church and tears started streaming down my face because that's exactly what was happening to me. I was in the first stages of an emotional affair. And Albert, I was thinking I still had it. And I was about to ruin my marriage because the enemy just snuck in. We started off as friends, but then we just started having these deep conversations. Can I tell you Satan ain't got no new tricks? He just keeps using the same ones over and over again because they still work. And he doesn't want to yank you out of God's presence. He's okay with you moving slowly out of God's presence. He doesn't want to yank your marriage and put it into this great distressed place. No, he just wants your marriage to slowly drift away until you look up at the one that you've committed eternal love to. She's no longer this passionate wife that you'd give your life for. She's a roommate. Y'all just manage bills and kids together. Because the flame is slowly going out of the marriage and you don't even remember when it went out. God desires. He 
says, if you believe in me, you don't, you don't have to perish. You don't have to live outside of the light of my love. You don't have to live outside of my purpose and my plan and the promise that I have for you. You don't have to live like this. You don't, you don't have to live outside of my purpose for your life. He says, if you believe, you don't have to perish. But Satan, let me tell you something. His greatest hope, his greatest strategy is to just get you to slowly drift. You haven't been to church in a couple of weeks. Oh, a couple of months. Oh, we go once a year, a couple of times a year, and we go to Mount Hermon. At Mount Hermon, we have church two days, two times a day, five days a week. That's enough to last me for at least 10 months. We're laughing, but some of you have actually done that math and you felt good about it. Our marriage, slowly drifting away. We haven't been intimate in a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Oh, now we're only intimate one time a year at Mount Hermon. That's gross. I'm just kidding. It's just, it's... <laughs> but may not necessarily be untrue. All I'm saying is I want you to open your eyes and see. Satan is perfectly fine with you slowly drifting from God's purpose. He says, if you believe, if you believe, you don't have to perish, you don't have to perish, but you will have everlasting life, everlasting life, everlasting life, everlasting life, everlasting life. If perishing is more than dying and going to hell, everlasting life is bigger than dying and going to heaven. It's, it's bigger than that. Everlasting life, if, if perishing is the idea of drifting away, then, then everlasting life is this idea of, 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 of drawing nigh. It's this idea of every day I'm being drawn closer to my father. Every day I'm becoming more like my father. I look as much like him as I can today, but tomorrow, check me out tomorrow, I'm going to look even more like him because every day he's shaping me. He's molding me. He's making me. He's drawing me, and I'm becoming more and more like him, looking more like him every day. It's kind of like this. My, my, little, my little girl, my oldest, Zoe, uh, when she was a little girl, the worst thing you could say to her, people used to go to her all the time and say it. The worst thing you could say to her is you go up to her and say, girl, you look just like your daddy. <laughs> First of all, my daddy's a dude with a beard. I don't look like a dude with a beard. But the girl couldn't help it. She looked just like me. When she was first born, she looked just like me. Two years later, she looked even more like me. At four, she got glasses. OMG, SMH. <laughs> she looked even more like me. Now, she's 13 years old. Listen, let me tell you something. I didn't know I could look that cute as a 13-year-old girl. I look at her and I think, Albert, you are gorgeous. You are beautiful. Look at that face. I pull it off so well. It's amazing. The girl can't help it. Every year, she looks more like her daddy. That's everlasting life. Every day, I look more like my father. Tomorrow, I'm going to look even more like him. Next month, I'm going to look even more like him. By God's grace and his sanctifying power, next year when we come back together here at Mount Hermon, I'm going to look even more like him. Every day, I'm looking more and more like my father. It's not perfection. You're not going to be perfect. 
He's not going to get it all right all the time. It's like my, 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 my mentor, Bishop Kenneth Almar, says. He says it like this. I, I like the way he says it. He says, he says, Albert, when I was in the world, I used to cuss at the drop of a hat. Now that I've been walking with Jesus, I don't cuss quite that fast anymore. It's, it's, Take you longer to get cussed out by me now. Thank you, Jesus. He's working on me. Yeah, he's working on me. Oh, is he working on anybody in here? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I ain't what I ought to be, but thank God I ain't what I used to be. He's working on me. Amen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in me, would, would rest in me, would, would shut their eyes and trust me, would not perish, would not have to live outside of the light and the promise and the purpose that I have for them, but they shall have everlasting life, and they will live for my glory. The best part of that fishing show that we were watching at the end of the show, fish hanging, dangling. They take pictures. Satan always want to maximize his catching of his prey. But then something happens right before the commercial and the credits run. A guy comes and takes the fish, pulls the hook out of its mouth, and throws it back in the water. That's the grace of God. And that's what he wants to do for you today. If you've gotten caught up, he says, my grace has come to remove the hook and to set you free. All over the room, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me and pray? If you're in this room, if you say, Albert, I am, um, when you started talking about perishing, if I'm going to be honest, that's me. I'm perishing. I'm perishing. Just a few moments with your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you don't have to move around, I want you just to take some moments and be really still. Because I want to talk to those in here who, who say, Albert, it's, it's Thursday at Mount Hermon. And if I'm going to be honest, I'm perishing. I'm going the wrong way. Not only me, but our marriage is perishing. We're going the wrong way. Some of you have got it caught up and you've seen the bait and you're stuck in sin. And you want that grace, that unhooking hand of grace to come so that you can return back to the place where you were created to be in the will of God. So I don't have a lot of time, but if you would just give me a couple of minutes, I, I want to make room for you. And you know who I'm talking to. You're going the wrong way. You're perishing. You're perishing. Some of you, the lights have gone out in your spiritual life, and you don't even remember when they went out. You just looked up, and you were sitting in darkness. 
the passion, the zeal. You've come up with a lot of great excuses, but come on, in this moment sitting here right before God, there is no excuse. Your excuse pales in comparison to the price that he paid for you to have freedom that you refuse to walk in. So in a few moments, I want to I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to do something. It's going to require a little courage. But if you're sitting in here and you're perishing and you don't want to be, if you're perishing and you know now by God's grace, you don't have to be. If you're perishing, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, you say, I'm perishing, but I don't want to be. If that's you, I want to pray with for you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just stand up right where you are. Just stand up right where you are. If that's you, if that's you, I'm perishing. I'm going the wrong way. I'm perishing. I'm perishing. If that's you, just stand up right where you are. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Don't worry about what anybody says. This is a moment for you to do business with God. I'm going the wrong way. Going the wrong way. Some of you, you say, Albert, it's not just personal, it's our marriage. It's going the wrong way. I just feel it. I feel the flame, the passion slowly burning out. And we thought it was because of the kids. We thought it was because of time. And we always say we'll get back to it, but we're roommates. And we're going the wrong way. If that's you, my son, my daughter, God says, the door to home is wide open. And you've got a good, good father who's waiting to receive you with open arms. There is therefore now no condemnation. Just reconciliation today. With your repentance, my arms of love are swinging wide open. I'm going to pray. If you're sitting there and you're wrestling and if you're fighting with God, can I just tell you from somebody who's fought with God a many a day, you don't fight this God. He's too big for you. You don't fight him. You follow him. You trust him. If you're sitting there and if you're fighting with him and you're negotiating terms and, Lord, well, I don't, if that's you, what would it mean for you just to wave the white flag and say, God, I ain't going to fight you this time. I'm going to trust you this time. I'm not going to run from you. I'm going to rest in you. If that's you and you're ready to wave the white flag, just stand up right where you are and say, God, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to resist. I'm going to trust you. I'm waving the white flag. I'm waving the white flag. I'm going to trust you. If that's you, just stand up right where you are. Just stand up right where you are. 30 more seconds and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray in 30 seconds. Can I just ask you a question? If you had 30 seconds to trust God, and to give him, give him your all, would you, take, would you take the 30 seconds? If you, if you had 20 seconds to stop going the wrong way and to start going the right way, would you take the 20 seconds? 15 seconds. If you had 15 seconds, one yes in 15 seconds can change eternity in your life. Would you take it? Would you take it? If you had 10 seconds, oh, my brother, my sister, if you had 10 seconds to walk in the truth of knowing you don't have to perish, you don't have to live like this, you don't have to go another day in the bondage and the defeat, God says freedom is right now. If you could have that kind of freedom, 
In 10 seconds, would you take it? Five seconds, and then I'm going to pray. Five seconds. If you have five seconds, you can get out a yes, Lord, in five seconds. You can get a you can get a I surrender out in five seconds. If that was you, two more seconds. My daughter, my son, God says, you can come all home. You've been out there a long time. What would it mean for you to say yes to him? Say yes to him. Amen. All of you that are standing in the front and the back all around, would you just lift those hands as high as you can lift them? Lift those hands. Lord Jesus, we come to you now and we lift those hands as an external sign of what we hope to be an internal reality. God, we surrender. We repent. God, we've been going the wrong way. We bit the bait. Some of us were on the verge. Some of us were on our way there. But thank God today your grace has snatched us. So God, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for allowing a lost soul to come back home. So Father, we rest in you. We shed our eyes and we trust you. We repent. We confess our sins. And we believe that for, for you so loved us that you sent your son to die for us. So that if we would just trust you and believe in the power of his resurrection, we won't have to perish. We don't have to live like we've been living. We don't have to go the wrong way. We can shed our eyes and trust you and believe you. And through that belief, we have eternal life. Not just when we die, but right now, I'm already looking more like my daddy. With my hands up, I'm already looking more like my father. God, the power of the Holy Spirit is already renewing my mind. I'm already thinking more like my father. My head is already focused on you. So, Father, our prayer is that every day, through the power of your spirit and through the power of your word, we look more and more like you. By tomorrow... I want to look even more like you as a husband, as a dad. I want to look even more like you, God. As a daughter, Father, I want to look even more like you. Father, may eternal life begin right now in the name of Jesus. Through his sacrifice, we now get to live in the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Would you just put those hands together and thank him for his redemption power? <laughs> Hallelujah.